Welcome to the Glow Through It podcast. I'm your host, Adriana Carrig, the CEO and founder of Little Words Project, and I have with me my co-host and sidekick, Mariah Grippo. We created this podcast to bring you inspiration, laughter, guidance, and most importantly, friendship, as we all glow through life together. Catch new episodes every other Thursday on Spotify and Apple streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Glow Through It Podcast for behind-the-scenes content and information on upcoming episodes. And of course, shop the LWP brand at littlewordsproject.com and use the code GLOWTHROUGHIT to receive 15% off your order. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in. Hey guys, Adriana here. I wanted to talk quickly about an incredible opportunity for all young female entrepreneurs and creators out there who could benefit from a $5,000 grant. I am proud to be an ambassador for this incredible Seeds of Beauty campaign created by Florida Prairie. The campaign is all about empowering others to follow their dreams despite adversities and obstacles that may come along the way, which is something I truly believe in. Florida Prairie is offering three seed grants of $5,000 each to female entrepreneurs and creators who are pursuing their passions and bringing beauty into their communities. Florida Prairie wants to provide these creators with means to positively impact the world. Plus, as if it wasn't enough to love them, the wine is actually incredible too. With notes of strawberry and rose petals, so fresh and crisp, it is the perfect drink for a summer evening. To learn more and apply, head to the link in our show notes. Applications close August 31st. Okay, Mariah, so I am so excited for today's guest. Me too. Oh my God, I truly, I've only met Alexis once and I'm in love. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I have felt over the past five years, I feel, of friendship between us, which was really exciting. Have you known her longer than you knew me? I think so. Wow. Do you feel as though you need to scream? Well, I do like talking loudly. It's part of my personality, my persona, you know. Right, same, except that we need to learn how to be better with our volume because all of our episodes sound <laughs> like we are in opposite rooms and we need to scream across You're right. bridges. Okay, I'm going to whisper. No, don't do that. <laughs> um, anyway, so Alexis Rosenbaum, we are so excited to have her on. She's the founder and CEO of Rosebud CBD, which is actually, I'm pretty sure it's her second business, although she might have had a, a prior one before lacelets, um, baseball lacelets, which is where I originally met her through. And then she sold that business, then started this one. I mean, she's truly a serial entrepreneur and and powerhouse woman. Um, Her mission when first starting Rosebud was to serve her customers in a new and innovative way, which she did by creating a CBD product that matched the integrity of the product to the quality of the design. And above all else, she wanted to create something that ensured the health of her customers first. Rosebud is a real brand for real people, created by a woman who simply wanted something for herself that would ease anxiety, balance her stress, and give her peace of mind during most, some of the most difficult moments in her adult life. A lot of those moments we kind of get into on today's episode, including her struggle with infertility over the past five years mm-hmm. or so. Um, Alexis has been hands-on with the product since the day she started in 2017, and it isn't a surprise that she comes from a family of entrepreneurs who helped her throughout the journey of starting her own business. A recent Forbes article, yes, she was featured in Forbes, called Alexis a one-woman show bringing in six figures a month in sales, which is probably more at this time. I mean, it's truly insane. insane. I know she did a million in her first year of business, which is just unheard of. Uh, Not only is Alexis a badass businesswoman, but she is also an incredible friend, mentor, and is unafraid to share her story with the world, which has completely opened the door for relatability with her customers and community, and hopefully now all of you. So please enjoy today's episode with Alexis Rosenbaum as we 
talk all about the throes of infertility, navigating infertility in a male-dominated world, as well as running a business and just her kind of personal life hacks and tips for healthy living and success all around. So, Chelsea, bring her in. <laughs> Mariah's favorite part of the whole thing. Chelsea, call her in. It's the only time I talk on the episode <laughs> or on the whole podcast. <laughs> Hi, Alexis. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you. Yeah. Before, well, so after the episode, we'll read, we'll do like a little script where we read off about like who you are. So I'm not going to like intro you right now, but okay. just so you know, you will be introduced. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I'm so excited to have you on because you and I have, been, well, you were the person who I looked at as this like incredible, just strong, impressive woman who has gone through and built so much for herself, but has also gone through the nightmare of infertility as I have. Um, but yours was before I ever even started trying to get pregnant. I noticed and saw your journey on social and I thought you were so open about it. I remember you literally posting videos of you doing the shots and you were very, very open throughout your journey. So I wanted to bring you on, obviously, to discuss the fertility thing. But I think before we get there, we can kind of launch into how you and I met and just a little bit about who you are and all that good stuff. So if you want to give your little two-second spiel about that. (laughs) About how we met. About how we met, about who you are, you know, whatever it is that you want to introduce to the audience. The elevator pitch. Of you. Of your It's been quarantine, so I haven't practiced my elevator pitch in like, you know, six months. (laughs) But um, I think I remember us meeting, I think maybe through like Instagram, um, I would say like five or so years ago. It was like the beginning. I didn't realize you guys have been friends for that long. I would say maybe six. I was going to say maybe longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was running my first business, originally called Baseball Lacelets, uh, now known as Game Day Feels. And uh, I think we just connected being like, Two women starting up businesses, both in the jewelry world. They were personalized bracelets kind of thing. Um, I think we served to each other as just like support. I know you gave me some contacts along the way. Vice versa, yeah. Yeah, and then um, my husband's uh, pro baseball career ended and he got a full-time job with a company that relocated us to New Jersey. And I was like, oh my God, I'm pretty sure like Adriana lives around the corner from here. Uh, so we reconnected then and um, hung out in person, I think, for like the first time, like not too long ago. No, honestly. yeah. Like the first, it, it was literally this year by yeah. the time we finally got to, like we met, we saw each other here and there. We saw each other, we saw we each other pizza at one shows. night. We had pizza one night. Yes, that was our that first was time. That was before I launched Rosebud. I was like lost. I was like, the f- what, what am I going to do? Doing? You like, can I curse. just sold my business. <laughs> like, um, I'm in this new city. Like, yeah. you know, like, I, like what am I what doing? What am I doing? And this was... So, okay, so let's start there. So that was in Jersey City. This was after, or right before Bill and I were, were married, before I even started my fertility journey, mm-hmm. but it was after yours mm-hmm. where you went through a failed round of IVF, right? Mm-hmm. So what was going on in your head at that time? After the round had failed, you just moved, to the, now you've moved to this new, because you did it in Ohio. No, we did it here in oh, New Jersey. Oh, you did it here in New Jersey? Yeah, oh so God. we moved to New Jersey. Um, yes, I we remember. We were living in Hoboken. I um, had sold my first business. I was working part-time remotely for a marketing um, agency. Uh, I was like writing marketing plans and direct mail pieces for like a, like a, 
retirement healthcare company. And like, oh, wow, yeah. Was, yeah, was, I was crushing it. Yeah. Like, they were having really great returns on the stuff I was creating. But sure. Clearly wasn't like a passionate space of mine. Um, and then my husband was like, you know, I think we should, we had done, you know, it already started our fertility journey at that point where right. we'd done two rounds of IUI, tried for a year naturally, took a year off. So we were already, you know, two full years into trying to get pregnant at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old were you at this time? Oh man, I have like the worst math. I'm 33. Yeah. So you were probably when when did you start trying naturally 2015 was when we started trying so yeah it's been about five years so like 26 yeah 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 okay yeah yeah and so then you're in Jersey, you so you went through all that stuff, you moved to Jersey, then you decide you're going to try IVF. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like my plate was a little empty, I'd sold the business, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have this weight of responsibility that I had to keep a business going to like feed people's families who worked for me, mm-hmm. and that was a huge, you know, lift off my yeah. shoulders, and I thought, okay, this might be a great time to like, you know, try again. Um and everyone in Hoboken has a fucking baby and a doodle and a $2,000 stroller. Yeah. So I was like, if we're going to live here, like, we need to play the part. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, so we, we tried our first round of IVF. Uh, it was like a, it's a longer process than yeah. I think a lot of people realize. Uh, realize, just the preliminary things leading up to it. Yeah. But, um, and you have to wait for your cycle to match up to their plan for you yeah. so mm-hmm. like you're constantly waiting for day three day 21 mm-hmm. waiting to get a period it's just a constant game so yeah, yeah I it's much longer than you thought <laughs> yeah so the the office we worked with um you know the doctor was great it was a really small team uh and what she did was she put everyone on birth control so she got she got her whole office you'd all be on the same cycle so mm. then everybody was doing their retrievals the same day mm. their transfers the same same week yeah a lot of uh, clinics do that That's yeah interesting. it is interesting yeah it's, it's, doesn't that feel like it's gonna be a little crowded in the rooms <laughs> yeah they, right especially now during I'm just COVID. Saying, well, yeah. a lot of, a lot my of place, my place it. doesn't do it, but in a lot of places you kind of have to because it suppresses the natural cycles and changes it so that it works for every party involved and they can get more women pregnant that way. And there's a lot of wow. schools of thought behind it. Mm-hmm. I personally am glad I didn't have to do a birth control mm-hmm. round because it's like it feels counterintuitive, which yeah. is the whole problem with yeah. this journey, right? Yeah. It's like you feel like, well, hold on, we're literally just applying. We're putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, but we're not looking to figure out what caused the issue. And mm-hmm. that's part of the problem with mm-hmm. finally succumbing to science, right? Yeah. Instead yeah. of just like going I mean, birth going control the alone is a mindfuck. Like, oh, yeah. You know, you're, you're like this. Yeah. And then they're you pumping know. you and you're you're like, now you're like up, right. and, up down and down so high. Exactly. Yeah. When you mentioned the birth control element to me even months ago when they were saying it might be an option, I was like mind blown by that. Yeah. Because they say that birth control can have a... Effect. Where do you land on that thought, birth control having an effect on fertility? Oh, I think birth control is the devil. Yeah. I, think it's, <laughs> I knew you were like, going to I have can't believe result. we put 10-year-olds, oh, you know, on birth control. Uh, yeah, like, no, I agree. the most unnatural thing. This experience, if it's taught me anything, it's taught me that birth control is not the answer. And I, I know that I would have a really difficult time putting any future child, any daughter, if I were to have one, on birth control because... See? 
Okay, go ahead. Well, just because it there's it they they say it has so many benefits, and there are people like I know so you have benefits. endometriosis, and it helps you with your symptoms, but that's a bigger problem. It's again, it's a band aid. When what we really want to do is figure out what is causing your endometriosis, mm-hmm. how do we solve it from the bottom up, and not just say, well, let's give her birth control that'll mask the symptoms, and then by the time it's really important that her her entire system is aligned and functioning normally it'll be when she's trying to get pregnant because yeah. that's when and the, so and true. that is and then like the length of time goes longer and who knows how long it'll be i tell you all the time i wish you would get off birth control and it's yeah. a fight cuz you're like nope i don't want the pain and it's a double edged sword yeah well no i think the birth control for me when i was like 13 and i was doubled over in pain and going to the hospital instead of going to school my almost freshman year of high school that to me and to my mom and my parents who were like going through a divorce, like there just wasn't, yeah. there wasn't time to like change my diet right. and, and make me dairy free right. mm-hmm. so that maybe that would make me not go to the hospital. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I was throwing up when no, I got and, period and my parents were like, let's Mariah, just on birth control. that's because of the system that we're in. That's mm-hmm. not because you right. didn't, like because of lack of privilege. It's because the system that we're in says, well, the quickest, easiest way to do mm-hmm. this is to give you a medication, mm-hmm. right? Whereas yeah. opposed to, if the system were changed, exactly. then it would just be natural next steps for you as right. opposed to the opposite. And next steps are, let's see what you're maybe allergic to. Let's see what maybe, you're, do you right. have an ulcer in your stomach? Like there could have been so many other things that maybe like made my little 13-year-old body confused. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't even endometriosis because by the way, you can't, I, I didn't get a surgery. They can't tell me that it is. But yeah. my doctor looked at my symptoms and she was like, I mean, you very likely have endometriosis so I think this particular birth control would be great for you and my mom is like yeah and now she's you have a birth control that gives you a period like I don't get a period yeah I haven't bled in years which actual blood compared this very day my gynecologist says that it is completely fine and she literally uses the term the blood actually coming out is just like it's useless doesn't have to Alexis's face right now is in shock. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's in their own situation and you have to do what you have to do and there's, like, no shame in whatever path you choose. No, but I'm so open to learning. But I I think, like, for me, going through infertility and learning about an ovulation kit, which is, like, the most simple thing to Mm -hmm. buy on Amazon, right? Like, or anywhere, you pee on a stick for 30 days and you literally could teach your 10-year-old daughter, like, this is the week you don't have sex. Right. You know, like, this is the week... There's no sexual intercourse going on this week to avoid pregnancy, um, and then like I mean, you should be and you start generally- you, you teach you teach your daughter to learn her body because mm-hmm. there are signs that show you that this is when you're ovulating. Right. Your 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 um you know <laughs> fluids change. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a word that isn't secretion because I knew that would make you <laughs> oh laugh. My God. It's like you're, ejaculation. Yeah. I'm like, how do I yeah. tell my parents like post ejaculation? Right. Like what? Yeah. Oh, right. Like what's <laughs> happening in the body? Um, what's happening in the undies? This is not for men. This episode. Um, but like that changes yeah. into certain consistencies. Your your what you feel. Sometimes you can actually feel the ovulation happening, and mm-hmm. you know you literally learn through infertility that there is like two to three days a month that you can actually conceive life, mm-hmm. right? Maybe five mm-hmm. if we're being generous. But our entire high school, let's say, career, if you are Again. sexually active in high school, you might not be. But let's say the people that you that are, they're young, they're young, they're confused, right. they don't know what's going on. You're taking plan B like four times. Correct. And that is a big problem. Everyone, but 
No, that is a big problem. And it's not, you're not taking necessarily just taking plan B, but you're told that you can get pregnant You're just like always this. thinking you're pregnant. You're always thinking. I know. I, I was always thinking I was pregnant. I was pregnant for four years of high school. I literally, all four years of high school, I was pregnant. Yeah, and I was on a birth control that prevented me from getting my period for a long time. My gyno always said the same thing. It's perfectly normal. And look, I don't fault them for that. That's what they learned. That's the medicine, in medical industry that they learned. And I mean, we can get into the whole, the beauty of functional medicine and all that good stuff, yeah. but that's a whole nother convo. But anyway, long story short, I just think there are other ways. And I think if totally. we, if, if it, the onus wasn't put on the woman so much, mm-hmm. where we feel like we have to prevent our bodies from conceiving life, where, and there's not a pill created for men because it was just like, we can just solve it by giving it to the woman. I mean, that's a problem, you know? And yeah. especially when there are so many other factors that could lead to, you know, why people are experiencing the symptoms they're experiencing. Something as simple as hormonal acne, which is literally the reason I got on birth control. Like, I went on birth control at 16 because of hormonal acne. I wasn't even sexually active yet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. This is this is perfect. This will help clear my skin. And it did, but I continued to eat dairy for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. only to find out later that I'm, I, I'm filled with inflammation and, and whatnot because of dairy and gluten. Right. And it's like you don't fix those problems. If I could have fixed those problems at 10 mm-hmm. to 16, I might have been in a different spot now. And it's yeah. just that's, that is the most frustrating element of like going through this now. And then don't even get – I guess we should get started on all the other factors <laughs> like plastics and glyphosate and – or glyphosate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> glyphosate. And all the other things that we've been ingesting yeah. because we've been told that it's perfectly safe for us. And it's not. Yeah, I mean, we live in a world that's, like, built and uh, it's built for men and it accommodates men. So both in the medical world and in the whole world, right? Like, and things as little as, like, the temperature that we keep office buildings in is meant and built for a man's body heat. Hmm. Like, the height of a table in an office is built for the height of average of of men, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The medical world is built... Uh, based on men and men's cycles, I mean, all the way down to women's health issues, is like based on men, which right. is like wild. Right. Um, like what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. And so I think like it would be simple. It would just be, I mean, I. it's crazy to think like at the age of 33, I've uh, read a book called Do Less by Kate North. Up, I think is her last name and she just really lays it out like your cycle is not one week your cycle is a full 30 days and there are like three to there's four phases of your cycle um, mm-hmm. and down to the point where your cycle dictates how you think how you feel what mm-hmm. you're able to accomplish and like really like how we should be like you know this is an office full of women this office full of women like everyone's going to start to get on the same cycle mm-hmm. because they're together and that's what happens uh, and so then how do you, like, build your work schedule to fit what phase you are in in your cycle, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's a phase where you're very creative and you yep. can get work done. There's a phase in your cycle where you shouldn't try to get anything done. Yeah, you should you're just exhausted. bleed, you know, and bleed on all of your major decisions that you have to make the following week, which is, right. like, the next part of your cycle. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, like, there's so many things we could do at an earlier age to, like, help women understand their cycle uh use their cycle to their benefit and to you know get pregnant naturally that we we don't do today because you know we're like here's my 13 year old and she's gonna be sexually active you know we can't have a baby so they're like you know put her on birth control rather than equipping 
children and young adults with the information and knowledge that they need to be able to make decisions. And I think the U the America, like the US is the only place who really just is like, sex is taboo, drugs are taboo, you know, mm -hmm. these are two things we don't talk about. We just inflict fear about these two topics. So then people are just scared all the time, but kids are still doing drugs and they're still gonna have sex. So it's like, I don't know, it's just nasty cycle. If like yeah. if we just educated uh, women specifically and men too. I think I read a book on um, on pleasure and orgasming and mm -hmm. sex and like this man went through this whole course and it, this course is targeted towards women and like how to effectively have an incredible orgasm, right? And this guy leaves his class and he's like, why hasn't anyone told me how to treat a woman's body, how to touch a woman's body, how to like turn her on, how right. to like engage yeah, yeah. in this way? And it, you know, he was just like, I should have also been taught these things, you know, and it's a form of communication. Anyway, right. that's a whole nother. But also, because it's so taboo, and the, fa the fact is, is pleasure, human pleasure is so important, and self-pleasure is extremely important, especially going through this process as well. Like, you learn, like, I was told that Bill and I need to have intercourse before the transfer that we do, because the the actual makeup of an, of an, or the actual experience of an orgasm and what it does to the female's inner body, as well as, the um how the sperm will uh, affect the acidity in the uterus so that mm. when it's red like it mimics actual implantation mm -hmm. yeah. symptoms essentially and it's like oh my god that makes so much sense it's just like there's so much that your body can be affected by in mm -hmm. a way that you can make it work for you without it really affect like you could just make anything work for you yeah. mm -hmm. as long as you if know you the information right. mm -hmm. and so many of us don't no um, so I have an interesting question for you, especially considering this whole conversation so far has been about the female experience with getting pregnant and what that looks like. And I know that in your situation, you guys are dealing with male factor mm -hmm. infertility, um, which I, the first time I saw you write about it, you had written a blog post on it, which was incredible. And this was back before I had any idea that I was not going to be able mm -hmm. to get pregnant. Wow. But I always felt this kinship to her. I think I've always known deep down this would be my journey. Whether I manifested it or not is a whole nother conversation, but I've always felt like I, I knew I had to watch her, you know, mm -hmm. because of what she had gone through and how she held herself through it was very inspirational. Um, but you wrote a blog post about this experience and how, what it's been like for you dealing with male factor, but having everyone assume it was you. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And your openness about it and your husband's willingness for you to talk about it is incredible because that's such another taboo subject, yeah. unfortunately. Um, how did you guys navigate that road of, of, having, of, of discovering you had male factor and how is your husband through that journey? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we went through the testing to figure out what was going on. There's never a blaming game. You know, he's my partner and whatever experiences he experiences, I also experience. And I think he feels the same way. Um, so, I mean, finding out it was, uh, you know, male infertility was, it's an interesting experience because if it's women's infer if it's, if it's on the women's side, you know, they have like 10 different things, things you can you do. Can try. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the male side, it's a bunch of old wives tale. Like, keep your cell phone away from your, your, you know, right. area. Don't wear tight underwear. Don't take hot baths. Don't, you know, like all these things that you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, right. come on. Like, right. let's get some serious hard science in here and like yeah. talk about like what is actually causing this. Right. Um, I think, you know, Danny and I have been together since we were 18 years old. So we've grown up together. We've gone through, you know, really like crazy experiences together both individually and as a couple. 
Um, and I think just knowing who I am and knowing that I, I really thrive when I can share and connect. I, I don't think that Danny ever really gave me the okay to talk about his experience. I think it was just a natural thing for yeah. me to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and he's it's, just supportive about he's it. He's just yeah. yeah, I think he just understands that that's my way of of getting through things. And, and in a in a sense it was almost like a stick it to the man situation when you did do your post. At least it 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 read that way. Not that you were trying to be like fuck you world, it's not yeah. even me, but we do have such a societal problem in this country this world really where we put that responsibility on the woman and make her feel like she's mm-hmm. broken or she's got something wrong with her even if I mean you're still reading about your cycle you're yeah. still learning about your cycle even though for all you know there might be nothing mm-hmm. physio- physiologically wrong with you to prevent you from being able to and not not even wrong because right. nothing's necessarily wrong with Danny but it's just the it's just what, where we're at right now and yeah. how do we do how do we fix it mm-hmm. um and it, I don't know it's just such a it's a tough tough thing to to navigate when you're actually in it because you want to say well hold on don't just assume it's me because mm-hmm. that's your your norm let's look at the full picture and, and see how'd how you end can. up finding out that it was on his end yeah so just to back up like yeah. a, a little like I think if I was younger going through this experience and, and when I was younger you know in my you know late 20s I was really defensive at first like you know like in telling people like please stop, you know, accusing yeah. me of this. This is a hard enough experience as is. Like, to hear you spew a ton of, you know, things. Have you tried? Have you tried this or that? Like, pu- like please just give me the credit to know that I'm smart enough mm-hmm. and that I am, like, I'm going to try these things that I need to try in order right. to get pregnant. Yes. Um, and, you know, along the journey, the biggest thing I've learned through this experience is that People mean well by what they say most of the time. And they just don't know what to say. I've tried, I said that to so you a lot of times. They, they just want to fix it for you because they don't want you to suffer. And mm-hmm. so for me, I've just learned to maybe like take a deep breath mm-hmm. and then just show empathy for that person to say like, I'm so sorry that you have no clue what you're saying. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that you have no idea what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, let right. me maybe try to help you understand. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do fire back like, well, I mean, if it's not me it's him you know so like you know you should keep your suggestions to yourself yeah Yeah. you know my grandparents mean well but they'll say things like you're too skinny you should eat a hamburger you should gain weight that'll Mm -hmm. help you get pregnant my family's favorite dumb shit like after you guys have sex you should do a headstand right you know keep it all inside of you like it is frustrating when you have those people and and it's hard too because you don't want to be it's like you almost invited this into your world because mm-hmm. you did start sharing it, so you don't want to be an asshole that's just well, like... Well, yeah, you could easily not share it. Yeah. You could easily not tell anyone. No one would know. And then in two years from now, three years from now, however, five months from now, you're pregnant. And everyone's like, oh my God, yay! And then you're like, yeah, we did IVF. And everyone's like, what? Right, exactly. And then they're like, wait, you guys had to. What happened? Wait, what do you mean? Was it him? Was it you? It's like, all right, well, I it, you lose either way. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because yeah. unfortunately, IVF Unless you doesn't... accidentally get pregnant. Right. Then you're the blessing. You're the you're the girl that got pregnant. Or no, actually, you're the married. you're the norm. You're the norm. You are the norm. If you're accidentally getting pregnant, you or not accidentally, but if you got pregnant one within one to three months, it's so that the world views that as normal. When what's actually normal is a year. Number mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Number two, one in seven couples go through this one in seven that's disgusting that is an absurd absurd reality to have issues with fertility correct Mm -hmm. it's more normal to take longer but you don't see that because you don't hear about it because Mm -hmm. those women 
feel shamed. They don't feel like they can talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. They yeah. feel like if they do talk about it, then they're the women that went. There's something wrong with them. Something yeah. broken. Mm-hmm. Even if it's male factor. And that's not mm-hmm. even my, that's not even just through social media either. I don't think like you guys are more vocal on social in general. But I think even just women who don't even use Instagram, they yeah. inside feel the shame. Don't tell their from family who from where they don't tell their family. It's because it's just a, it's just a thing. It's just it's a, a thing. real thing, not just for influencers and people on Instagram that don't want to share their story, but like just. <laughs> in their own house they're like I can't tell my mom about this this is embarrassing yeah wow and, and that's awful. and I do so sometimes I do feel this like level of responsibility because I am someone who shares my life to also share this because I do feel for those women who have gone through it and are going through it and feel incredibly alone and don't feel like they have a safe place with their family because of how taboo it's been do you mm-hmm. have like that sense yeah of- I mean I think sharing was therapeutic for me and then um, when it didn't work, you know, I just launched my business and, you know, typical Alexis, I was like, cool, didn't work, gonna dive into this and yeah. focus on this and not process that experience. Um, so I dove into the business, you know, like a few months in, I'm on track to do a million dollars in one year. Yeah. I'm just, you know, want to keep working, want to keep pressing. And then, you know, like six months later, um, it all kind of hits me and I realize I need to process it. Yeah. Um, and it's been over two years since that IVF round, which is mind blowing to me that um, it's taken me two years to like really process the experience and be ready to do it again. I have friends who have done it over and over, you know, back to back to back to back. And yeah. it just wasn't um, a good fit for me because uh, I needed to like process the emotions that I had kind of packed away. Um, And I think sharing was really great at first. And then I think what happened was it sort of like became who, like this, my whole persona. And I sort of started to victimize myself. Uh, So Mm. I would say 2019 was the year that I really was like, you need to get this grief moving and get it out of your system. And then the next phase of that is taking back control of your story for yourself and not victimizing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that because was... Because when you share and you go and you do visit people, you know, I became very annoyed with how heavy I felt like I was when I would enter, enter a room. And it yeah. was just myself. But, you know, everyone kind of is like... Like, I just went home for my nephew's first birthday and my brother's got three under three and my sister's got a one-year-old. And, you know, it's just like I'm in the room and I'm like, everyone here knows that this is what I want and I yeah. don't have it. And that's annoying. You know, that's annoying. I go through that <laughs> mentally all the time. Whenever I'm like, I'm with my, my friends, kids, I lo- and I love them so much. And that's the mm-hmm. other crazy part. Like, it doesn't change what you love about mm-hmm. children. Like, you still love your kid, like the people around you. I love them so much, but there's a big part of me that is worried that when I I don't want the rest of the world to pity me in mm-hmm. this moment because I don't pity myself right now. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I don't want anyone else to pity me. I But then you start to question yourself, like, do I pity myself? Like, even yeah. just, like, through going, knowing I'm going to be doing a transfer soon, like, my, my brain and my heart, of course, wants it to happen, but I'm afraid, like, is there a level of my subconscious that doesn't want it to happen so I could keep this narrative going of mm. being this victim because it's it's led to you know me having this na- this this persona mm-hmm. like it's and and I've heard women talk about that especially those who share it's almost like people keep things close to their chest so they don't have to be that person so I don't fault anyone but at the same time I still think that showing up and 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 sharing even just that you have gone through it but then showing that 
you can also continue your life and make a business the way mm-hmm. you have and you can be around kids and not be and not be upset about it the way you have and you can welcome your siblings children into your world over and over and yeah. over again and it doesn't you know and it's okay mm-hmm. I think is also something important to show despite the fact that it does feel really freaking hard to go through it but I, I, I'm with you you've said over and over again though that it it you're you're the grief is because of a loss time right. and time and time again yeah it's just month after month it's heartbreak it's monthly of, heartbreak of, yeah when you're like okay that. so I will say that trying naturally was harder than doing IVF at least as far as the emotional mental weight of it and that's only because I haven't gone through a failed IVF cycle and I I I hope I don't but if I had I'd probably say that that's That's hardest because it's like you literally threw all your all your money at this situation and Mm -hmm. like and that's the other problem the expense of it Mm -hmm. which nobody really wants to talk about or allow you to talk about I mean I've I've lost friends over the conversation of, you know, well, this costs me thirty to $50,000 to have a kid. Yeah. And, um, you know, just trying to talk about the cost of it. And people will say, well, you know, of, luckily you're in a financial situation to afford that. You know, there are people who can't afford it. You know, like, this doesn't yeah. make it any easier for yeah. me. And yeah. I've worked my ass off to have that money for for, for other, other plans, right. for other things, to set my life up, to have funds for my children, you know, or right. retirement plans, you know. It's not, wasn't, wasn't a part of the plan. Yeah. Um, and it's not a part of anyone's plan. And that, that comment of like, well, at least you can afford it. It's like, yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I also don't really die for the concept of everybody and I everybody and their mother getting pregnant literally without having to drop a dime mm-hmm. and I'm out here having to drop 30 grand that's wild yeah and like yeah. it's just accepted like okay and, and of course I'm happy to do it. and then then there's the other favorite comment of well you know if, if it doesn't work out there's always adoption and mm-hmm. it's like well here's the thing about that like adoption is and we've talked about this upwards a bit of fifty thousand dollars if Ado- you go private correct yeah adoption is very expensive but even that like adoption is a wonderful option with or without infertility that people always have like it's always a thing so like that would just suck to be the narrative that my kids hear if I end up going the adoption route that like well it's because I couldn't have kids of my own well that sucks you know for that kid so it's like trying to not it's it is hard again everyone does mean well but these are just the things that you really you sit in the muck and mire of this when you're going through it and nobody really really understands just how fucking awful it is. I think I mean yeah and I think I for me you know like at first like having the failed round was it was very dark it was very depressing. Um like moving to West Orange we were renovating a house like I just remember it's crazy to think of myself today and to look back a year a year ago and just to know like wow like how dark of a place I was in how lonely and how unsure I was and I just really wasn't in a good place and then to get where I am today I'm I'm now in a place where I feel grateful for my failed round because that failed round taught me how to feel things like how to sit in uncomfortable situations how to sit with grief and sadness um what it's like to not get what you want Mm. um and then to really consider 
you know, maybe what we've always been told, and I have always sort of lived by this statement, so it's kind of a slap in the face. Like, everything is relative, and there's no real truth to anything. So Mm -hmm. for me, when I was victimizing myself and feeling, you know, sad, it was because I felt like my whole life I was told, one day when you have a family, one day when you have your Mm -hmm. family, you know? I was told those things. I was given a baby doll at a young age. I was told I would be a mother. Those are all things you're conditioned to believe. And so when they don't happen, It feels shocking. It feels wrong. It feels unfair. When I think today, I feel like, you know what? My, if I'm going to play a role in this conversation now, my role is to play that having children isn't the path for everyone. Mm -hmm. It isn't, it shouldn't be a given. It shouldn't be like, this is what you will do in your future. You know, Mm -hmm. it should be a decision of your own. Um, And I think that that is like on a broader a broader conversation just important that like the path that we're told we're going to have in life maybe isn't the path for everyone and we maybe need to be a bit more open to that yeah and a bit more cautious in the conversations that we have with people like well one day you'll go to college well maybe I don't want to go to college you know one day you'll get married I don't maybe I don't want to get married Um, and we need to start to like normalize those types of conversations and for me I've actually I'm grateful that I've had the experience to say, you know, is having a child by, you know, biological child important? Is that important? Um, Is adoption an option? Is foster to adopt an option? Is foster care and never adopting an option? Maybe being kidless is cool, you know? Yeah. Um, So I think, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I'm really proud of myself for giving myself the time to process the emotions to walk through the experience and then to get here today and to feel like, you know, if we're going to go through IVF again, which we will, um, I'm, I'm a little bit more prepared, I think, for like maybe whatever that outcome yeah. is and like being okay with that outcome. And I, I would probably venture to argue that that could result in, in a, a, a more positive outcome at the end of the day right not necessarily more positive but it could result in you ending up with your child because you've released all of this desire Mm -hmm. and all of the want and the ridiculous you know the ridiculous hold that we have on it when you're going I mean I'll tell you that this month has I mean not only this month but just this entire experience has been the longest experience of my life of my life I literally have never I've never I've never stopped. wanted tomorrow to come more than I have throughout this experience. And, and that's not only just this experience of IVF, but the past two years. So you're always just waiting to the end of the cycle. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Am I going to get my period on the day I'm supposed to? Am I not? Like it's a constant just waiting mm-hmm. for tomorrow. You're not living in right now. And we haven't. And, I, mm-hmm. and it's actually been really, really difficult to want to go away or to want to plan you know, we didn't go to Mexico for three years where my family's from because I was afraid of Zika. Mm-hmm. Like Zika, hello, it's not even exi- a thing anymore. Yeah. And I was afraid because I'm like, what if I get pregnant? And it's like the joke's on you kind of. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's a nice experience in that regard that I've really, it's forced me to wake up in a lot of ways of like, oh, okay, so things don't always just like happen when you mm-hmm. want them to. And I think for being a business owner, and you can, I'm sure, agree to this, you experience wanting saying okay this is my goal 
working, getting. Mm -hmm. Like there's no part of my life experience up until now where I have wanted for something and didn't get it. And maybe this is the ultimate <laughs> lesson for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I've wanted it, I've worked for it, I've gotten it. Yeah. And I know there's that's not the experience for everybody, but that's what led and that's why there's so many type A women who go through this experience mm-hmm. and they're holding on so tightly to this desire that they can't let it go. So mm-hmm. the fact that you gave yourself that time is really um, commendable and yeah, and you were it asking earlier, like about you know how is Danny? You know he's he's the infertile one. Like how you know right. how does he handle that news? And that's also been an interesting thing to watch. Like he is patient. He is not beating himself up about it. He is just sort of like it is the situation. He can't control it. So you know we'll deal with it the way that we can deal with it and for me being type a like I bang my head on the wall all day to like what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing do better you know do better do better you know like I I'm very hard on myself so it's um it has been nice to have a partner who is who does like balance that side out and um yeah I mean yesterday we were talking about just what's next right like I feel like I've achieved what I wanted to achieve with Rosebud so I'm trying to figure out what's my next move there like what's you know I'm remodeled an entire home Mm -hmm. like we achieved what we wanted to there like what's next for us and um you know Danny was saying like I think the next thing for you is to be a mom and like that experience is going to be a business in itself Mm. um you know or an experience in itself and uh you know I jokingly said which I never joke about it but I was like well you know on you you yeah. know like yeah. just pick it up you know yeah um so I think like maybe being able How to like joke about to it I mean he totally knows I'm joking yeah. you know and he's you know he's trying Laps he's with doing you. every. you know he's like I take my medicine I'm doing everything I can you yeah. know um but yeah I mean a, a sense of humor is so important important yeah I mean the doc my doctors probably think I'm fucking crazy because I am like so inappropriate I'm just like I can't help it like you know they stick this huge wand up to you they like spread the jelly all over you know it's like makes a farting noise as it's coming out you know it's just like I'm like this is this is hilarious like you know they're like do you want your husband to wait outside I'm like no he's definitely coming in here and he can look up in here with you yeah you know he's he's done it before in fact yeah let him hold the wand yeah (laughs) and like I mean it's hilarious to hear his uh you know his conversations it'd be so fun to you know kick the shit around with him and hear about you know like what it's like to go into like this little dark room yeah you know what dvds you get to choose like about yeah yeah I didn't I didn't really think IVF itself was terrible and I think you know, if you keep your feet on the ground, you know, like yeah. I have a friend whose her um, death anniversary was yesterday mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she had leukemia and yeah. she didn't have a choice, you know, like at any point in the IVS cycle, I would just remind myself like you have a choice, right. you can walk away from this, you can stop injecting yourself, you can go a different route, like this is right. a chosen decision, decision in some sense to right. At what point did this. you choose to stop naturally? Or did you, I mean, or what point did your doctor say, okay... Next step. Yes. So we tried for almost an entire year. And then um, I don't know why. Maybe I just like, I don't know why. I just come from a family who literally gets pregnant on the drop of a pin. So Mm -hmm. it was like, I really just, I don't, I did an ovulation test. My body was ovulating. I've had regular periods my whole life. Um, So we actually started with Danny going to a doctor and doing some preliminary testing. And then we found out he had um, low sperm count, like, low motility, they are deformed, they're swimming in circles, you know, we, we learned all these things. The uh, 
I would say within that first year is when the doctor was like, you know, I, I don't even think you should try IUI. I think you should just skip right to IVF. And we were like, that's a major financial undertaking. Like, right. And you guys don't IUI. have any insurance that covers it, correct? No coverage, yeah. yeah. Which is in another, I mean, we're lucky in that we do have uh, partial coverage for it, but in, well, I mean, not, not the second round we did out of pocket, but. How can insurance not cover the thing we all count on, which right. is like. Being people to, <laughs> like, yeah. like we have to have people <laughs> or so else true. you don't have health insurance. Well, like you don't have a fucking didn't business you to know, get health insurance. didn't you know this actually isn't that serious of a problem and not that many people go through it according yeah, like, to the, to the yeah. government that we live in no like if we took it more seriously if we recognize that this is a this is the pandemic mm-hmm. like we are the, the running out of people and yeah. people who can conceive like the handmaid's tale is around the fucking corner right, right. and y'all know i'm about to be a martha and not a handmaid because right. that's what's happening here a i'm a whole martha mariah's a whole potentially martha too we don't even know what's gonna happen with right. you and your endometriosis i mean dang right right we gotta by be- the time i finally find a man maybe i'll be able to finally have sex and then maybe maybe he'll stick around long enough for me to get pregnant who knows and then i might have endometriosis we gotta keep this podcast along for like a like eight more years just in case it takes just that in long. case we have to bring Alexis back in. Yeah. <laughs> for my problem. Well, the, the best part of our story is, like I said, like we met when we were 15, you know, and we were like, we had, you know, Danny was going to, you know, try to chase this pro baseball dream. And so yeah. the, the plan was like, no babies until we have, you know, a comfort uh, with a, you know, he, he was making like a thousand dollars a month. Like we couldn't right. have a kid on, on right. that, you that, know? Yeah. And we'd seen players and wives do that and just the struggles of having a child during that experience so I mean we spent 10 years like literally pulling and praying right like, yeah never even having like quote-unquote real sex Same. oh my god and I remember did like you guys fl- never have like did, did did you guys never have real sex until you tried to start yes conceiving? same and like we found out we couldn't be pregnant I was like what the fuck I know we like saved that moment for the moment yeah. that we decided to start trying my mom was like what do you trying. mean real sex yeah, I'm like <laughs> the joke in Paris, in Paris. <laughs> we're like wouldn't that be nice if we conceived in Paris like that was the first time that we actually like quote had real sex which you guys can all understand what that means yeah not pulling essentially and praying um and <sighs> it, because I wasn't at, at for the and and for the two years prior to trying, I wasn't on birth control. I got mm-hmm. off before the wedding because I was like, "Screw this! I want to be in a good spot." Again, projecting the fear onto the moment, which definitely I'm sure had a lot to do with it, considering your mental state and your anxiety levels mm-hmm. do have a lot to do with it. Um, so, actually, good segue. You own a CBD company, started in, at one of the most successful CBD companies, um, especially woman run that I've seen to this date. Also best marketing you've ever seen rosebud cbd check it out in the show notes um what i mean obviously so cbd is a big part of your anxiety regimen i know that cannabis is a big part of your anxiety Mm -hmm. regimen do you do any sort of other anxiety like to keep yourself calm that helps you through or did you ever yeah yeah i mean i do i don't do anything like crazy like I have little things I've learned like I limit myself to one cup of coffee a day has to be consumed before noon Um, anytime after noon I just like am buzzing until 
midnight and then it just starts an ugly cycle so if I stay up till midnight then I my sleep patterns off so um you know to keep my anxiety in check I have a pretty strict sleep schedule like that time at nine I'm wow. up at six five thirty six I know you um, are so <laughs> I like I, I just want to be here <laughs> I work so hard like I have these glass jars I try to consume you know eight glasses or more of you know water a day um like I said the caffeine thing um eating a wholesome diet so just like you work out sugar. every day I at least move I move every day whether it's a couple mile walk or if it's like a quick workout I hula hoop like whatever you know yeah. like just to get moving um so those those lifestyle changes with my diet alone and like sleep schedule are are huge and what what is your diet would you say like um what kind I eat of- uh vegetables based like you know meat I mean I eat a pretty like I would say my diet is like real food but you've and you've kept out like sugar processed foods as yeah much so as I don't I really don't buy like anything boxed yeah um, everything is veggie or meat fish did you start that with the fertility journey no so actually the first IVF round we did I was vegan oh I think I remember you saying yeah this. I like challenged myself to one year to be vegan and um that was the hardest part of that IVF cycle because your hormones are so out of whack Mm -hmm. uh I was just like take me to fucking McDonald's like give me chicken nuggets like like, you know like uh I then started this journey of like I'm gonna bake I had to find something to do you know during that time so I was like I'm gonna bake my my mission was like I'm gonna bake the best chocolate chip cookies. Oh, um, I, I remember this. Yeah, to the time where my husband was like, "Can you cut the batch in half?" Yeah, like this is getting ridiculous. Like yeah. we're living on cookies. Yeah. Um. I mean, I have a, a serious sweet tooth, but yeah, uh, same. yeah. I think um, real food, wholesome foods. I don't have any dairy. Is there something that you read or listened to that led you to want to do that? Because I know I'm I'm asking. It's a leading question because mm-hmm. I listened to one podcast that got me off of anything processed and then also another podcast that got me off of anything non-organic because of how the the how the, the infertility rates have risen in direct proportion with the amount of pesticides used in our in our farming mm-hmm. culture. Um, so was there anything like through this journey that you feel like was a blessing in disguise because it led to this mm-hmm. healthy lifestyle or were you always going to be on this path? I, I think I've always been on this path. Yeah. I was a division one athlete in college and right. you know always tried to eat well. Um, my mom went through, uh, she did like, <clears throat> what do you call them? Like um, competitions like um uh body yeah like body Body yeah yeah. like body competitions and like you know so saw what she was eating and then sort of like my husband being a professional athlete you know it was important that he had a great diet so I think it's always kind of been a part of my lifestyle uh like I would say five maybe longer maybe closer to eight years um probably at five years I gave up alcohol which was a huge huge change for me so I haven't had any alcohol and Five or plus years, five wow. years. It is. It's so insane because I know you were getting a lot of heat because you were a big CrossFit athlete mm-hmm. for a little bit, um, and I know you still do CrossFit here and there. I always see you in your in your wads on yeah. the in the, yeah. in the <laughs> on the driveway, on the gram. Yeah. <laughs> on the gram. She's a very fun person to follow, you guys. So you got to, and she just likes to sound off about everything, and it's amazing. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, you got a lot of shit for doing CrossFit and trying to get pregnant and mm-hmm. people like to give you their opinion that, well, it's probably because of how much you're working out or your CrossFit or whatever. But at the end of the day, you are on paper and like actually the 
prime candidate for a woman that could conceive. I mm-hmm. mean, your hormone levels, I'm sure, are stable because of the way you eat and the fact that you don't eat processed foods and you're not you're eating healthy, you're eating whole foods, you're eating organic, you're drinking eight hours of, of water, eight glasses of water a day, you're sleeping eight hours a night, you're yeah, getting a, you have a, a set sleep schedule, which is a huge component of getting pregnant. You've got, you're working out, you're moving. I mean, you are so committed and yet you're still going through something like this. So I just think that's a reminder to all the people out there who do give their two cents and are like, well, have you tried this, that, and the other thing? Or I read this article and it really helped, which is nice, but remember that it's not always as cut and dry as that because you can literally be perfect on paper and still have to go through something like this. And it's just important to remember. Yeah, I mean, when people were questioning, you know, like, well, is that too much weight or should you be doing that movement or, you know, I think at the end of the day for me, I just felt like, well, this is this is a value of mine in my life. And if I'm going to have a child, I want my child to also have these similar values. And this is who I am. I'm not going to give up who I am and the things that are important to me in order to obtain a child. You know, that's just, I'm just not willing to strip myself of things that help me feel my best and mentally and physically in order to have a kid. Some people are different, you know, they'll, they'll give up anything. They'll, they'll try everything, you know, they'll, um, but I think for me, I just was like, you know, this is something I've been doing for so long. I've been a competitive, you know, um, athlete in some sense my entire life. What Uh, sports did you play in college? Sorry. I ran cross country and track. Wow. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Great, such a great butt on this one. Butt. Oh my God. Well, the body butt. is perfect, but <laughs> the butt is phenomenal. Oh, she could have got up those hills in like no day. time. <laughs> I'm like just yeah, now yeah. starting to move again. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, daily walks. That's what yeah. I'm going to commit myself to. My, my, my sleep schedule's ass. I drink a lot of water, which is great. Um, but my sleep schedule's garbage. My oh, I know sugar. that. I know that about you. Yeah. When I was like, ETA 1035, I was like, she's not going to And I answered you at 1011. I'll be there. Yeah, I was like, she's notoriously late. But I was there. Um, I was here earlier today because I had an ultrasound this morning. I forgot I had. So I was like, oh, great. She actually came in my room this morning to see if I was awake. Usually I'm already up. I'll tell you, with these ultrasounds, they're like, I'm like, I get excited for them because I'm like, okay, another step in the process. Mm -hmm. Like, another appointment closer, you know? So it's, it, I become a different person. Can I ask but. you where, like, where is Rosebud now? Just in terms, I mean, we know where it is now, but just in terms of your mental with mm-hmm. that and then with next steps, like, how's that playing out right now for you? Uh, yeah. So Rosebud has been, I mean, it's, we're going on two and a half years, close, uh, closely into two and a half years of business, which is crazy because it feels like it's been so much longer. Yeah. Uh, but I have an incredible freelance team that works remotely across the country. And cool. uh, I've really just tried to set them in place so that I can kind of step away a little bit more um, just to be able to focus on myself and like what um, what I need to do uh, and just preparing for like that experience of IVF again. But yeah, the business is great. I mean, we're we're thriving during a quarantine. People great. want CBD during this time. So things are Things yeah, are good. Looking good with that. Yeah. Awesome. And I know when you first we first sat down, you mentioned that you you and Danny just bought a camper. Yeah. And you're not doing anything with that. You're not having a child this summer. You're yeah. not gonna try to conceive this summer and you're just gonna go and do a trip. Mm-hmm. Are you doing cross country? Like so, what's the plan? Yeah, with that? so we uh twenty twenty was gonna be the year. Like we bought a house in twenty nineteen. We've been renovating the whole thing ourselves. 
Um, it's been an exhausting project. It's amazing. It's I mean, just, just day just in and it. day out. Um, you know, we've hired some help for some things. Like I've told you, the one thing we don't touch is drywall, drywall. because it's a fucking right. art. Oh, it's um, a nightmare. It's yeah. the one thing we tried by ourselves. We're like, mm, <laughs> never again. Yeah. So the house is in such a great place that we felt like, okay, now is the time to pursue um, another round of IVF. We were literally supposed to start in April and the uh, pandemic hit in like March 13th. I think it was that weekend is when um, everything was going on. And I tried to call in and they were like, your doctor is out for three or four weeks. And I was like, what? what? Well, like what? Like should yeah. we switch to a different one? Like I'm supposed to, we're supposed to start this. Like, yeah. you know, we've completed all these testing. We've done extra testing. Like we're ready to go. Um, and I think when we got that news, you know, obviously we panicked and then we kind of took a step back and we thought, you know what, this is just a sign that maybe we should take a little bit more time and we should have fun. We're not so great at having fun. We're both like, workers. let's yeah. achieve, like achieve, 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 um, to-do list, checklist, you know, whatever. So uh, I had said out loud one day, which I feel like anything I say out loud, it's like, you know, big manifestors. You know, once you say mm-hmm. something out loud, it's like you're planting seeds. Yep. Um, so I'm always a little nervous to say something out loud, but I was like, what do you think about getting a camper? And we were on our way back to Cincinnati to visit family, and I found this camper, and I was like, well, let's just go look at it. It'll be fun, you know, whatever. And then we were like, let's, bought it. let's buy it. Like, let's buy it. Cool. Let's bring it back. It's like we're they live Bill's dream. On a daily basis. They are Bill's goals. (laughs) And mine, honestly. Literally. Wait, so what... It, um, where do you go in a camper? Like, do you? Oh, anywhere. Okay. So it's yeah. like a basically. You is it a drivable camper? Thing, no, no, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a trailer. It's a trailer. Oh, yeah. It, okay. So it attaches to their vehicle. Cool. They can drive anywhere, and but there's a bed inside. Yeah, like it's a, a bathroom. Whole, there's, there's a bathroom. A there's a whole. It's, it's and it's really Kitchen. cute. You could live in it. You could really. live in it. We even so you jokingly, go, you park at different campsites. we've been joking about selling our house and like just next summer just like straight up living Living in the camper camper. no I think that's actually amazing and one of our actually our first guests on the podcast Jess Mm -hmm. her and her husband did that they don't I mean they haven't started their journey for trying to to have children yet but they did that like they don't live anywhere and they just she works on the road and yeah it's and she's another business mm-hmm. owner and she's able to do it and it's, it's always been a dream of bill and ours bill and mine but bill works in the city and mm-hmm. we we went the route of like okay let's ma- let's continue to manifest by like putting down the roots and like see what you know tell the universe that we're ready in mm-hmm. that sense um, but he and I've already had our our what happens if this doesn't work plan, and it yeah. honestly sounds better than what happens if it does. <laughs> yeah. In some yeah. ways, it's like we're gonna move like Airbnb to Airbnb yeah. across Europe. But you know, let's hope we don't get that far. Um, but it's good to think about that and like yeah. to to know that to. the alternative still is okay. At the, At the end, end of the day, day, my relationship with my husband is the most important, and if we the more we can do to solidify that partnership yeah. and our communication and our our relationship, the better we will be as parents. And I think Absolutely. we just saw this opportunity as, you know, he's played baseball our entire relationship. Yeah. Uh, we've only been living together full time for three years. Like yeah. this is... Yeah, you guys had a lot of time We apart. basically moved to Hoboken. I say we moved to Hoboken. We got, you know, we were dating. We moved to Weehawken. We got engaged. And yeah. we got moved to West Orange. We remarried. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we really went through this process of like yeah. getting to know each other again and kind of starting over. Like, okay, we're no longer in this long distance relationship. Um, and so I think the summer, you know, we were like, let's just take this opportunity as a chance to like have fun, which we haven't really ever done just for the hell of it. Um, but I mean, in, 
we also just bought like a second rental property so like we're having fun but we're also still like <laughs> you're adding also more still things. doing yeah yeah you can never just shut off entirely at that point yeah but the camper will be fun we're heading out later today we're just going to like this little campsite in pennsylvania just cool. to, to get out yeah so oh. it'll be fun oh my god i'm so do you fit two more people yeah on there is camper? another queen size bed oh yeah. shit yeah we gotta do I'll it. See yeah. In the yeah. <laughs> Mariah will stand up in the shower and be a part of something. <laughs> right in that shower. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, Alexis, this was amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your insight and all the goodness that you are. Um, you continue to bring light to this world in so Thank many you. different ways. And I really, really, even if it's just the rant on Instagram about the people who leave their masks and gloves outside of Whole Foods, it's fucking. There's literally. I gotta follow her. On I, average, I the amount of times that I watch a story of hers and then repost it on my own thing, being like, everyone go just listen to her say it. It's so much better when it comes from her. That. She's yeah, just so, like she'll just pop on and she's just like, I just don't understand and like goes in on something. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could just do that. But uh, anyway, you have been incredible. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate and love you. And everyone go check out Rosebud CBD. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved this episode and it resonated with you, leave a review. Don't forget to use the code GLOW through it to receive 15% off your order on littlewordsproject.com. Have a cool topic or question? Submit it via email at hello at glowthroughitpodcast.com. <laughs>